But before we get to that, we go to Celeste Katz Marston in Boston, Massachusetts. Celeste, good morning or good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. Good morning. You're only a week, less than a week away from the election now. Uh, but still, COVID, 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 the president wants the story to go away. And even though he says we've rounded the corner, we're, you know, we're heading towards the light, that is simply not the case. If you look at the figures, it's worse than ever, isn't it? Yeah, it's really gotten to a, a sort of a, a record-breaking high and not in a good way. We have here from the latest reports, you know, on average, more than 74,000 new cases of COVID-19 in this country every single day. And uh, obviously, that's a, a huge concern. We're approaching uh, pretty quickly the 9 million case mark and well over 200,000 deaths in the United States. So, you know, putting politics to one side, is it yet again wishful thinking by the president who says that it's all over, it's, you know, uh, it'd be gone by the end of the year, uh, we're rounding the corner? I mean, much in the way that he said that, you know, he had the biggest. Uh, electoral margin in history or perhaps that he had the biggest uh, crowded inauguration that by saying something he thinks that that is true in this situation though it's plainly not the case what what is the problem with the president and covid well, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot going on there, but we are, as you say, just a few days out from Election Day. It's a very unique election specifically because of the pandemic. But Donald Trump, uh, you know, is certainly a, a divisive figure. But uh, for the most part, his big claim to uh, having done a good job as president of the United States very much hinged on uh, the economy and uh, certainly it's the case that the pandemic has really decimated the U.S. economy. We've started to come back in some ways, but people are living in this very unnatural environment. A lot of people have lost work or are not working as much as they used to. They're struggling. And so the president really does need that to go away, or at least he needs it to be somewhat rectified in order to keep making this argument that people should reelect him for another four years because they're doing so well. People are not doing well, and that just does not help his political aspirations. You know, and again, I don't want people to say that I'm anti-Trump or whatever, but his inability in some ways, not necessarily just to tell the truth, but to see the truth, that concerns me. That, you know, is it? it's too late for him now, I suppose, to, to tell the truth about COVID. Um, what happens if he wins? What happens to the COVID virus then? I think the COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic continues to be a, a national tragedy for the United States. There's just no other way to put it. Uh, we are certainly uh, have a lot of companies uh, around the world and in the United States working on the vaccine. The president said in a recent debate that the vaccine would be with us within weeks, but we have seen some some progress and some stumbles in clinical trials for these vaccines. You can't just go around uh, injecting millions and millions of people with something that isn't proven. And so, you know, that sort of quick fix uh, is not necessarily on the horizon. Um, I think that no matter who becomes president, people in the United States, as, as they are elsewhere, are living a different life and will continue to do that until a vaccine is widely available. I don't think an election changes that at all. So the vaccine might help people, you know, 
in in um, you know preventing them contracting the virus. Of course, that's one thing. It's not going to help those who are died uh, have died. It's not going to help people who are sick with it already, isn't it? I mean that that's the problem. And by pay, you know, kind of going all in on a vi- on a vaccine. That's all very well, but if the vaccine does not turn up for another year, what do you do? By the end of next year, you've got, what, another million people dead, maybe? Yeah, I mean, we're we're talking about, uh, again, a real tragedy in the United States. The vaccine isn't the only issue. You know, you may talk about sort of a change in mindset if we get a different president or if we get different leadership uh, in Congress or at the uh, the level of governors of different states, for example, will there be sort of a paradigm shift in terms of how people are confronting the virus? Will there be more encouragement of things as basic as wearing a mask? Will people who are uh, not believers in vaccines or in preventative measures, um, you know, be sort of have a different standing in society? Also, will uh, policy change on healthcare and on uh, assistance for people who have been suffering in any way from the pandemic. Those are all legitimate questions. And unfortunately, uh, in this election, we just can't answer them yet. Uh, You know, there's certainly Biden is certainly showing a lead over Trump in some important places, but there are still a lot of ballots out. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's assume for a moment, perhaps, that Joe Biden wins. How does that change the way the U.S. deals with the pandemic? I think that, you know, on a very basic level, it won't immediately change everything. I think that's sort of, you know, some if some people think that the magic bullet is voting a certain way on election day, just don't think that's the case. People will continue to be infected. People will continue to be in contact with people who have been affected, um, maybe spreading the virus, even if they don't get sick themselves. I think that uh, Biden's pitch is generally a return to belief in science and belief in facts. Uh, Trump is trying to defend his position and to some extent trying to defend his legacy. And those those two things, um, you know, when it comes to the virus, those things may be at odds depending on, you you know, how you look at it. But I think that generally um, some people are saying that Trump has a fair point. You can't shut down the country forever, even with a pandemic. People do need to work. People are suffering from, uh, you know, psychological uh, trauma and so on from living this way. We've been living this way now for for quite a long time, and there does not seem to be an immediate end in sight. So again, I think that if Biden wins, maybe there will be uh, a different uh, a different posture in the United States towards things like preventative medicine, towards the provision of health care for people who need it and uh, don't have it or don't have enough of it. But again, those things will not happen overnight, and it also depends on the relationship between the White House and Congress. Okay, so there's a couple of things there. One is that this is also a White House that is determined to reduce the number of people that have health care in America. It's, you know, in front of the Supreme Court, even as we speak. So they're trying to stop uh, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as it's known. During a pandemic, they are trying to uh, reduce the number of people that have health care. Now, surely that then becomes a, a massive thing that people are going to be voting on as well, that you can't say during a pandemic, actually, we're going to make sure that fewer people have health care. 
I think that, well, I think that what the Trump administration is trying to put out and what the president is trying to put out, it's not that they don't want people to have a health care plan. They just want them to have something better than Obamacare. Well, he's and had, had the, four years to come up with something, and so far he keeps saying, oh, we're about to announce it. And he's said that like dozens of times. So far, we haven't seen what his idea of a health care plan is. That's that's the major problem. There has has been some dismantling of the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. But what are they offering in its place? You know, as you say, we are still waiting to see what that is. Is Obamacare perfect? It is not. Um, Have you know, have there been uh, suggestions, concrete, comprehensive suggestions from the White House as to how to improve it or replace it? I don't think we've seen that. He said, the president said, on day one, repeal and replace Obamacare, and we're uh, four years into it, and that hasn't happened. You talk about the legacy as well. That's an interesting thing as well, because I can certainly understand that at the start of the pandemic, even though he was told, you know, weeks before everyone else that this was going to be a disaster, and then he was told all sorts of things, that, and then he didn't act on it. That's okay. No one knew how it was going to end up. He could have changed his position you know a few months in and and tried to do something but when you talk about legacy yeah he was hoping his legacy was going to be a booming economy and fair enough but it reminds me of um lyndon johnson that he wanted his legacy to be the great society where he did expand medicare and all sorts of things like that but he was dragged down by uh, the Vietnam War, and that's what anyone remembers Johnson. They remember him being president during the Vietnam War, and he caused it, basically, and he kept it going, and tens of thousands of Americans died on his watch. That's what it's going to be for Trump. It doesn't matter how good the economy was. People are never going to remember that, are they? I think that people will remember there having been a good economy in the, uh, you know, in the first term of the Trump presidency. Now, whether you want to uh, give him credit for that is possibly a different story. There are certainly economists who are still arguing about whether, say, uh, the economy under George W. Bush was a result of the Clinton years or whether uh, the Trump economy is a result of the Obama years. These things are are cyclical and there's overlap. But if you look at the overall, you know, the, the overall framing of what we will remember as uh, the first term of the Trump presidency, I think that people will remember the pandemic. They will remember, uh, you know, these mass deaths and people in hospitals, people isolated from their families, people losing work. They will also remember a great reckoning in terms of social justice. They will remember a proliferation of extremism in the United States up to and including mass shootings and murders. Uh, I don't think that's how anybody particularly wants to be remembered in the United States history books. But I don't think Trump is going to be able to get away from that, uh, frankly, no matter how soon a vaccine gets here. Okay. Meanwhile, I mean, if anything, it reminds me of, you know, comical Ali during the uh, Iraq war. There's conflicting comments coming out of the White House. I don't mean necessarily by the uh, president, but by the communications director, saying that um, the uh, ending the COVID-19 pandemic was one of President Trump's accomplishments. Now, it's not ended. It's worse than it ever was. How do they get away with saying something like that? I mean, they haven't got away with it, but why do they even think they could say something like that? 
now they're sort of trying to backpedal on that and say it was kind of an oopsie moment. That's not real. That was poorly worded, I think, was the the phrase. And they're trying to say the president does not believe that the virus has been defeated, but rather that it was the goal of the administration to end the virus or to control it. Uh, you know, the idea of putting that down on sort of a, a checklist like cutting taxes or, uh, you know, repairing roads and bridges, that kind of thing. I mean, it, it is really shocking. It is it is obviously something that his critics are jumping on as pure revisionist history. Meanwhile, um, people are voting already. In fact, the, the, it's, apparently it's on track to become the biggest election or the most number of voters since 1908, which is a, a huge thing, more than 100 years. A lot of those votes... Uh, I mean, half of the, the electorate, they reckon, might have voted already, 75 million votes. But it's a strange way of doing it that we don't do it here, that you have these little boxes that you can drop off your ballot on the side of the road rather than just posting your ballot back. And, of course, we know that uh, the president kind of been running down the, the uh, post office and being critical of that and kind of slowing it down and all sorts of things like that. But I, I, was, I was unaware about these roadside ballot boxes. They're... We don't have them here. They seem strange. Yeah, it's just it's basically another service to the public. They just want to uh, encourage people to understand that there are many ways to vote and they want to make it as convenient as possible. So there are ballot drop boxes where you can physically drop off uh, your mail in ballot and uh, and have it get to the election officials to be to be opened and counted that way, as opposed to sending it in by mail or voting early in person or voting on Election Day in person. However, that doesn't always go well because in Boston, certainly, some people have been attacking these boxes. Yeah, there was a there was a case in Boston uh, this week, I believe, uh, on Sunday, uh, where a guy set one of these boxes on fire outside the Boston Public Library, not too far from where I used to live, actually, a few blocks away in the area called Back Bay. And uh, some of those ballots were damaged to the point where they cannot be uh, they cannot be tabulated. So those, they're wasted, and those people won't even know that their uh, votes won't be counted. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think they sort of have to figure out, um, you know, before the ballots are open, they they can be traced. There are you know multiple envelopes in which they're contained. Once your ballot is tabulated, it can't be traced back to you. But before that, it can be. So you know, getting the word out to people who might have been affected. Now, to be clear, it was a very small number of ballots that were in that box, something like a hundred ballots, which in the grand scheme of things is not a big deal. But you know, the idea being that absolutely every vote should be counted makes it a very big deal. And the idea that somebody, uh, in this case, somebody who might not have been um, emotionally or mentally well, uh, you know, but the idea that somebody could could stage this kind of assault on something as basic as people trying to vote is a little disturbing. It may not make a lot of difference in Boston, which is probably going to vote Democrat, but if, if that was in Florida, 100 votes certainly could count. I mean, in 2000, it was 530-odd votes, I think, that separated Bush and Gore. So, you know, who knows? It might make a difference. Uh, Trump has voted already. Joe Biden has voted already. So they'll just, you know, sit back and watch the uh, returns come in on a Wednesday our time, Tuesday night your time. Um, Philip says, are Trumponomics really long-term viable? The short-term bounce is understandable, but ultimately higher wages uh, than um, 
than overseas workers must affect, or I'm not quite sure what Philip means, but yeah, like that's the thing. It might have that short-term bounce, but you know, are they viable on the long term? Because one of the things, as you said about the the poor economy, well, the economy that George W. Bush inherited was, oh, it seemed to be great, but in fact, Clinton's economic policies, you know, ruined the U.S. economy in the long run. Well, I mean, I think that that history would would uh, you know would be the judge of that more so than I would. I think that with Trump, it's always interesting to see whether uh, you know w- what is his sort of statute of limitations on a legacy. Mm-hmm. I think that you know is he is he going to be satisfied with people thinking that uh, he did a good job or is doing a good job? Is he particularly worried about what happens twenty years down the road or thirty years or fifty years down the road? I'm I'm not so sure that's the case. Finally, then, obviously, the election on Tuesday. If it looks like on the night, which is possible but may not be happening, it looks like Joe Biden is going to win, or in the days subsequent to that, who do you think in the Republican Party would be able to say to President Trump, it's time to concede? Who do you think he would listen to? Well, who would be able to say it and who he would listen to are, are possibly sure, I'm, two different yeah. things. Okay. So there's <laughs> plenty mean, of like people Mitt who Romney, could say it. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Right. We'll Romney, uh, yeah, Colin Powell, uh, George W. Bush, I'm sure they could all say it to him, but would he listen to them? Do you think there's anybody who, if they said to him, Mr. President, for the good of the nation, it's time to concede, that he would listen to? I think probably the most powerful Republican would be, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, the uh, Senate Majority Leader. Um, would he listen to McConnell if McConnell is saying something he doesn't want to hear? You know, not necessarily. And uh, it's important to remember. I'm not saying it's going to get to this point, but you know, if uh, Trump has just installed uh, another Supreme Court justice and Amy Coney Barrett, if a dispute about the outcome of the election gets to the Supreme Court, it'll be a question about how she will behave in that circumstance. Would she recuse? Would she stay involved? How would she how would she vote and so on? I mean, ultimately, well, ultimately, the election should come down to the people. If it gets to the Supreme Court, that would be sort of the the final arbiter, as it was in Bush-Gore 2000. Um, but I, I think that there is a system set up in the United States for the peaceful transfer of power, and so far, it has held up pretty well. Have you voted already? I have not voted already, but uh, it is it is still possible to vote uh, on election day. Um, people have been voting early, as you say, but uh, you know we do have that day uh, that opportunity to vote in person on Tuesday. And do you have something special for election night? Do you have a party or anything like that? <laughs> I have work. I have oh, reporting work. No. What a shame. Well, enjoy that, and uh, next time we speak to you, the result. Hopefully will be known. Celeste Katz-Marston in Boston. Thanks very much. Enjoy Election Day. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, Celeste. In Boston on ABC Radio.